0: radio for a really great future. We are talking real money.
1: Well, looks like the market got my hopes up again today and then of course dashed them later in the day. I shouldn't be watching, but I'm doing it so you don't have to. So don't watch. Don't pay any attention. You'll be better off if you don't. You really will. I just taught a class today on that. Uh went really well. A lot of people attended and uh, I think it helped. We're going to do it again in a couple of weeks because I do think it helped. Uh, And bear in mind that what we see day to day is really meaningless. Over time, these events tend to work themselves out. And we're already seeing some hints of that. When you look at the behavior of the overseas markets where this corona scare is is slightly older, like by a couple of weeks, uh, there's been a change. Asian markets are doing reasonably well. So we could see some of that global divergence that is one of the reasons why we suggest a globally diversified portfolio, because markets don't always move in lockstep. It's important to be well diversified. And I cannot emphasize enough the importance of having a long-term plan to keep you from doing things that you're going to regret later. So, uh, you got to hang in there. We have stacked up so many questions that there is no way I'm going to be able to get through all of them in today's podcast. But remember, if you have a question, and I know you do, you can call them in to 855-935-TALK, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or if you want to talk to us live, we'll be doing the show on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. That same number works to call the show at 855-935-TALK. You can also listen to the live show uh, just go to Como News Radio or tell your little smart speaker, hey, whatever I am, uh, turn into, into KOMO Radio. And I found it worked on all of them. You can also send your questions in via TalkingRealMoney.com. TalkingRealMoney.com, just hit the contact link there. And I think we're going to start with a question
2: that's called in at eight
1: five five nine three five 935 talk
2: Hi, Don and Tom. My name is Maurice, and I'm a government employee, and I take advantage of uh, the Thrift Savings Plan. Uh, because I am uh, over the age of 50, I can also take advantage of the catch-up uh, TSP plan as well. Uh, currently, for this year, the max you can put into TSP, which I'm putting in the TSP Roth, is 19500 the catch-up, uh, you can add 6500 into that, which gives you a total of 26000 on the On each one, I am uh, there are 26 pay periods uh, in the year. So I am set to max out at the last pay period of the year with the TSP and the catch-up. I would like to get more money into TSP while we're having this awesome sale. So I would like to add more money to the catch-up, which will make me max out prior to the end of the year. And I guess my question is, uh, is that a good plan? So uh, just if you could help me out and answer my question. Love the show. Thank you.
1: You, sir. You, sir, have the right attitude. This is a sale. Can sale prices go lower? Sure they can. But when you've got a sale on something as important as your future, your future wealth, well, if you can afford to put that extra money away sooner, to max out your TSP, it's not going to make any difference in your life currently. It's better to buy them low than to buy them high. And it's always better to buy now than to buy later. So in this case, I would be encouraging you to consider doing that. I think it's a really, really good idea. Thanks for listening, and thank you very much for the call. And now a question that's been sent in from TalkingRealMoney.com. The topic, limit retirement assets to any one brokerage company. Hi, Tom and Don. Actually, it's hi, Don and Tom, but they're both the same. I have assets in a traditional IRA in excess of $500,000 at Vanguard. Is it in my best interest to limit the amount in any one brokerage company to $500,000 because of the SIPC insurance limit of that amount? Well, the SIPC is the Securities Investors Protection Corporation, but almost everybody in the brokerage industry has additional insurance policies over and above that. And remember, the SIPC insurance is really to protect you against somebody running off with your money, which isn't very likely to happen at Vanguard. Vanguard does have another policy with Lloyd's of London uh, for up to like almost $50 million per client, but that's never going to come into play i cannot imagine because they don't insure you against losses that's something that people need to understand they don't insure you against market losses they only insure you against somebody running off with your money you know it's like if somebody at vanguard was able to get all of the shares of stock and put them in their name which could never i can't even imagine any scenario in which that would happen so uh, i think you're fine i don't believe that you need to do anything. Even if you're in the millions of dollars with one brokerage account, I think you're fine. Just stay right where you are. And again, please send your questions to us at TalkingRealMoney.com. Use the contact form or call them in to 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. Let's take another phone question.
2: Hey, Don. I have a quick question for you. Uh, First of all, thanks for the show. Really enjoy it. The question is this. If I have a mutual fund, and I sell shares of that mutual fund, what does the mutual fund then do with that? Uh, Do they um, sell that back to the companies that issue the stock? I'm just confused as far as what a mutual fund actually does when a person redeems shares. And kind of explain also, as far as I understand it with an ETF, another person has to be on the other side of that trade uh, to make that happen. And, for example, also with individual stocks, if I sell an individual stock to a company, do buy that back or does another investor buy that back? I'm just wanting some answers and some clarification on that process. Thanks for all you guys do. Bye-bye.
1: A mutual fund is a portfolio of stocks and bonds and cash and a lot of things. So what happens when you sell a share of a mutual fund is to pay you they have to do one of two things. They either have to take cash that they're holding, which many, many, many most hold some cash for just that purpose, for redemptions, so they don't have to sell shares into a declining market. But if they run out of that, then they will sell some of their stocks. But they'll sell them into the market at whatever the market price is. They do not hand them back to the company that issued them they actually sell it on the exchanges on the open market to another broker dealer somewhere or another mutual fund company because remember every time there's a trade when you're selling there's a buyer on the other side there's somebody who wants to buy it so it's not like they're selling into a vacuum but it's a great question i really like it thanks for making it let's do one more uh that's written in okay the subject to this one is factors versus sectors hi don and tom in parentheses theoretically speaking the goal is for the highest possible portfolio value in 30 years drops and crashes are irrelevant the market has always recovered if it did not in the future the portfolio is useless compared to food and ammo that's my thinking losing 90 percent of the value is not a problem wow I can't imagine a scenario in which you'd lose 90%. But continuing, no gambling on individual stocks. Real estate does not apply. I would like your opinion. What provides a higher risk-adjusted return for the long term? Small cap value equities or certain market sectors like healthcare and consumer staples. And kudos to you both, a legitimately honest and good public service you guys are providing. I'm a podcast listener for more years than I can remember. Please keep it up. I do not like playing sectors, and I do not believe that sector investing makes sense because any sector of the market can run into trouble. Give you an example healthcare. Let's assume for a minute healthcare and it has provided great returns in the past but can healthcare as an industry be destroyed or hurt really badly and permanently yeah imagine in a scenario of nationalized medicine what would happen to the hospitals could they become government agencies to the insurance companies they would go away they're a big part of the healthcare industry right now uh, a lot of things could change dramatically and those publicly traded stocks that you own in that healthcare sector could be destroyed practically so no no to the sectors yes to small cap value stocks they have posted impressive returns as a matter of fact I don't think the small cap value sector has actually had a period in which it lost 90. I think the highest I ever saw was close to 90, but not 90. So if you have that kind of stomach, Paul Merriman would love you or will love you if he listens. Thank you so very much for the question. And I think we're going to call it a podcast for today because this has been an incredibly long day. And uh, I really need to. Go down and fix some dinner. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend or two or ten or however many you have about the podcast uh, and keep listening and keep sending in those questions to talkingrealmoney.com or call them in to 935 Talk. And we will uh will be on the radio live on Saturday from noon until 2 p.m. Pacific time, 3 to 5 Eastern. You can call in your questions then too at 855-935 TALK.